0: I'm convinced the biggest battlefield of all is right up here in your mind. From the minute you wake up, you're being assaulted. It's game on warfare, right? Because something is trying to pull you back down to be less human than you were created to be.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Seat Go Create. This is going to be such a fun conversation. My guest and I have been talking, and we talked way too long before we hit record, so we've been having some kind of fun. This is Seek, Go Create. This is where we redefine success, leadership, business, and ministry. And let me just tell you what we're going to do today. We're going to do a reset with our mindset. We're going to be talking about how we need to be more positive. We need to work positive positive. As opposed to negative, we'll talk about those things in just a moment. I'm your host, Tim Winders, executive coach. I work with teams and leadership teams, and I'm the guy that gets to ask the questions, which makes it a lot of fun with what I'm doing today. Today, we've got Dr. Dr. Yes, I said that. Dr. Joey Fawcett. He coaches companies and their teams to create a positive workplace through his executive coaching, group coaching, training training and many other things that he does. He also is the author of two number one Amazon books. I think we might need to update that. I think he's actually got a new one that's come out. Work Positive in a Negative World and Faith Positive in a Negative World And I think he wrote with a partner. But I got a copy of his recent book, which is Work Positive in a Negative World for Teams that I've gotten through most of. And let me just tell you what, I need a good dose of working positive. Dr. Joey Fawcett, welcome to Seek, Go Create.
0: I got your dose right here, buddy. <laughs> we will dose right. you up
1: today. I like a good dose of positive cynicism. <laughs> oh I
0: yeah, we wrapped around uh, positive cynicism. Okay, I'll get back with you on that one. <laughs> yeah,
1: we, we actually are going to go there a little while, but I want to ask. Okay, you cool. My first, because it's important, I think, in today's world that we're in. Yeah. All right, Doctor Joey, coming to us from Virginia. I'm in the Black Hills of South Dakota here in the passenger seat of. Theo, and I let's just pretend, even though we met 10 minutes ago, finally, and have probably old friends and probably almost related by now after that conversation. In low places. Yes, but let's just pretend we just bumped into each other on a plane or somewhere esoteric like that, where we're trying to behave. And I say, Mm. what do you do? What is your typical answer when someone asks you what you do?
0: this is a, we're trying to behave. So this is an alternative universe, right? Yeah. <laughs> what do I do? I help companies create a culture where everybody wants to work.
1: So somewhere along the way, I saw culture architect as a description. Yep. for you. So let's keep going. Tell me what that means and how it relates to what you do. Uh, culture
0: architect, basically what an architect does is listens to the client what are their desires for the building and then does the drawings that lead to the construction of that building they don't actually construct the building and yet they understand the construction process um, understand the codes and requirements and things that go into creating that building that the client wants so as a culture architect and I might add a positive culture architect I listen to the clients really closely, whether it's a C-suite executive or whether we're talking to people all over the company at various levels. And what does it take to work positive around here to transform it? And then I've just been so blessed to work with a gazillion people smarter than me. So I've accumulated some knowledge along the way, right? And uh, that's the great thing about being a podcast host. You become like this collector of wisdom, right? And then you can say stuff. Or as my friend Mitchell Levy says, spread cred dust, right? And, and so you're just sprinkling this cred dust out there like I just did with Mitchell, right? And, and so you collect this wisdom and you're able to share with these companies. Here's David Friedman's process or here's Bob Johansson's mindset and here's how we elevate human resources and things like that. As an architect, work with a ton of business leaders. A lot of them are in human resources. And so we're working to elevate human resources Above form jockeys and policy cops, and <laughs> you know what I'm saying? To put them in a place where they can really lead out to help to come in and create a positive work culture and do those things that it takes. Now, that's a mindset shift. You talked about a reset for mindset. So that's a real mindset shift for a lot of us within and without human resources.
1: So, what's interesting, there's a lot right there because i don't want to go down the human resources rabbit hole because i've got thoughts people listening probably have thoughts you have uh, thoughts yeah when you when you use the term positive yep often with human resources or people resources or whatever they're they're, they're trying to call it
0: development to. whatever they call themselves
1: yeah they're they're not always the most positive bunch is that just my observation or do you see you've, that some you notice that too Yeah, Why is that? Why why would they not be positive when they're dealing with people?
0: Good question. Primarily because they're form jockeys and policy enforcers, and that's the role that's been, and oftentimes, Tim, defined for them within the company. So human resources becomes a support role. Okay. So that means you're, you remember back during the pandemic when we had essential and non-essential employees? Who in their right mind wants to be declared a non-essential employee? We really don't need you around here, dude, so you can stay home. Who wants to be called that, right? So human resources gets relegated to support, and that's why we, now they are supportive in many cases, but that's why we see negativity because it's form jockeys and policy cops. They have to play the heavy. They have to say, you can't do that around here. And so it's, I I think it's still true that dentists are the vocational group with the highest rate of suicide. And it's because they're looking for things wrong all day, every day. And so they, and attorneys not too far behind them. So you're constantly looking for what's wrong with everything. And, And I think human resources gets relegated to that support position of looking for things that are wrong. And that's why it's so important to have a mindset shift, right? To reset the mindset around human resources and say, okay, the greatest asset this company has are the people. It's number one, it's the people who do the work. And so how do we develop talent? How do we appreciate people? How do we you know, do all the things that go into making a positive work culture? Because if you don't value your people of what use is a positive work culture or any work culture, because you just toss people in the ditch when they don't do what you want them to do. And you pick up a new one and bolt them down and see how far that goes.
1: What's fascinating is that really, uh, especially we have listeners here that are listening all over the world, but primarily in the U S we've moved to what we would call a service economy. Mm. I can almost argue that the people are the only asset. Thank <laughs> yeah, you. We could talk about intellectual property. We could talk about an app. Okay. We could talk about a platform, but that's the only asset. I had a thought come to mind. You, you, I think you're going to love this slight diversion. Okay. We're talking before we hit record that uh-huh. we both have a very unique position and title in life in that we now have children that have had children. And so we right. now have the best gig that exists, which is a grant and okay. we have really cool names. We may or may not share that. We might save that for a teaser at the end or something like that. But uh,
0: yours is way cooler than mine, by the way. I'm just saying.
1: The audience has been listening; they know who it is. So anyway, <laughs> pops, Dr. Joey Pops, I'll say we that would be me. That would be you. So here's something that I'm fascinated with. You you talked about how their HR's forms pushers. They've got to be involved with the minutiae and the details. I've said this all along for the last three and a half years since I have become. T. Diddy, the, the grandfather, that being a grandparent is one of the coolest things ever because I think we're positioning ourselves very similar to the way God really wants to look at us. And bear with me here for this analogy. I'm going to let you then respond and just blow it out of the water or say, maybe. Yeah, and we'll see. I think sometimes HR has to get so involved with what we'll call the heavy duty parenting of mm. adults, the day to day, and what we get to do as grandparents, we just do the fun stuff. We and so it's like positive, it's fun. And I actually think the law that God tried to get us away from, and there are a little bit of grace now, a little bit of mercy. And all, that, that's more like grandparents. We just have fun. My my two just left, and uh-huh. we fun nonstop. I'm blurry eyed, haven't slept, haven't eaten very well because we had ice cream every night. I hope her mother doesn't listen <laughs> in on this, but. But is it that some of the positives, some of the mindset, the attitude and all of mm-hmm. that, is it the way we look at things? Or are we just allowing ourselves to be bogged down with too much? And I know they've got legal issues, HR, mm. but how do you respond to that rant I just went on? Yeah, that was a
0: small rant. <laughs> First of all, T. Diddy, you the man, because I love your name. <laughs> Secondly, I am Pops. And I'm certified as not only a Pops, but the best Pops ever, right? And by the way, the next time I'm back on, C see, go create, I'll be wearing the t-shirt that says best Pops ever. Just so, I I didn't want to be totally braggadocious today, but I'm certified best Pops ever. I'm just saying to all the Pops out there, sorry, dudes, I'm, I'm the best. The other thing is, man, you're, first of all, the grandparenting role is like the primo gig. I didn't know it could be so sweet. I thought all my friends were just blowing it out of the water or they knew I didn't have grandchildren. So they were just, I don't know about you, but I have friends who like really want to rub my face in certain things and not being a pops was one of them until I became a pops. And I'm like, dude, you undersold this totally. it It's just far better. I couldn't tell you everything. Yeah. Okay. I appreciate you holding back. I was a blubbering idiot when our daughters were born. It's amazing what a grown man will do and say just to get a kid to smile, whether it's a gas bubble or not, it's irrelevant, but just to get a baby to smile. Ours is three years old also, almost three and a half, and she, you probably saw her on the news. Most brilliant, beautiful granddaughter ever born. I, I don't know if you missed those headlines because you were eating ice cream and doing all sorts of unhealthy things with yours. But mine, mine only eats twigs and bark, by the way, because she's the healthiest child ever. And if you believe that.
1: (laughs) When they're with their parents, their parents now are like what my daughter calls crunchy. She's like health and all this kind of stuff. But then, man, not here.
0: (laughs) Let me just put it this way. Our granddaughter at three and a half has already eaten more popsicles than I think our daughters did combined during their entire lives. So does that tell you anything? (laughs) So to your point about HR, man, that's really fascinating because Parenting does have certain responsibilities and, and rights and privileges, I suppose. We as grandparents do try to play by the rules because we want to keep seeing them, and our daughter and son in law would jerk them away. No, we do way too much for them to jerk her away. But anyway, it, it is a different level of responsibility. However, that being said, mindset towards human resources, and notice the pause there, my friend, Dr. Bob Johansson has taught me to do that. It's human resources. These are not uh, legal form resources. This is not policy resources, right? So perhaps at the end of the day, that's what we really want to happen is to bring more of a grandparenting persona to human resources. I think that's beginning to happen more and more today. Marisa Andrada is, was a cho CHRO of Chipotle and Starbucks before that she's out, she has culture cast. Now, if you want to catch a really cool podcast, she's absolutely amazing. I've said for a long time, I've known, I've worked with companies who have four generations working, which is like really hard to get your head right. Around. She knows the one that has five. She won't tell me the name of the company. I think she's telling me the truth. Of course you are Marisa if you're listening, but just think about that, man. Five generations, it, at least four. Commonplace now is three generations working. So you've got all these different expectations because each generation experiences things differently. You have aspersions being cast from the older generation to the younger. But hey, that's been going on since I became a teenager in the early 70s. That's been going on since I was a kid. Don't trust anyone over 30. So that's what I grew up hearing. And then, man, I got to 30 really fast. And I was like, why am I not trustworthy? I don't understand. But Anyway, if we can celebrate for a moment the millennials and the Z's and then those true digital natives that are coming along behind them, they're not quite in the workforce yet due to child labor laws. But anyway, they millennials and Z's are requiring that we see them as human. And I think that's due to the, can I say sins of my generation and my parents' generation, where you were just seen as like a human doing instead of a human being. Now, if I can go spiritual on you for just a second, for me that was sinful towards the image and likeness of god planted in each of us at birth paul's really clear and says christ lives in you not too many ways of slicing and dicing that right it's just the reality there so that was at least disingenuous towards the full knowledge of humanity and who we are do we live in a broken world yes are we broken yes however if we can begin, as we begin to understand, and the, the millennials and the Zs are forcing our hand on this, that these are human beings, that human resources are given the opportunity to lead. Then I think the whole conversation becomes much more one of grandparenting. And so instead of granola in the break room, you got ice cream and popsicles, like every day. I would want to work there, right? So I really like that metaphor of grandparenting. I might mean, can I co-opt that?
1: You, you can. I haven't trademarked anything there. Or there isn't yeah. any. I'll
0: credit you with it.
1: And it, thank you. Yeah. I, I, My buddy
0: I, Tim Wenders says HR should be more like grandparents.
1: Grandparents, or at least a, or at least a balance. Sometimes we have to tell them not to jump out in the road or anything. But <laughs>
0: yeah, we have to protect. But we them, also
1: right? don't need to be beating them over the head with laws and things like that a good bit. So. Mm.
0: There's a distinction between law and grace, and the fulfillment of the law, right?
1: Yeah, we could go down that path, but let let's don't. I want to unpack a statement that's been rolling around in my head since I started reading your book, Working Positive in a Negative World for Teams. I appreciate appreciate that mm-hmm. book and all that, that it said, ahead. but it got a lot of things going through my mind mm-hmm. related to definitions. I like to define things. Mm. And I, because I think words mean things, and I think we, in our mm-hmm. culture, society, we've watered down a lot of words. I'd love to give you an opportunity with this. We're we're going to talk a little bit more detail about the book and some of the programs and all later. I'm talking big picture right here. I want to talk big picture. Right. When you say the word work, what do you mean? When you say positive, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. And then also, I'm going to go and tee you up here. When you say in a negative world or negative world, mm-hmm. how do you contrast work? And then the positive and negative and because I've got some questions about that and I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and warn you. I'm going to put on my cynical cap in mm-hmm. a little while and hit you with a few things on why Absolutely. you shouldn't be positive just to have some fun. How about that?
0: Yeah, man. I'm, I'm sure uh, you're highly creative, but I'm sure I've been doused with these things before. All right. So let me work. Let me start with the last one first. That's in a negative world. That's the broken world I was referring to earlier. Uh, negative <clears throat> makes a nice contrast with positive. So, marketing departments love that in book titles. And also, it's, I've, I've stood on platforms for years. The first work positive in a negative world book came out in 2011. The team edition came out in 2020, which it was fun releasing a book during the pandemic, by the way. Anyway, nobody's ever challenged me on the fact that the world's negative. Never. Not a single person. If you want to be the first man, I'll be glad to play that with you. If there's a reason you're listening to this podcast instead of watching the morning news or the evening news or the 24 hour news cycle or something like that. Man, those guys are in business to monetize negativity. And if you doubt that for a second, just remember their mantra is if it bleeds, it leads. So the bloodiest newscast are at the beginning, and oh, by the way, if something bloody didn't happen in your community or in your TV market that night, they will import it from the closest MSA to you, or they'll go to some major metro area where something's always bloody, or let's just have a fantasy for just a second, say nothing was bloody in the U.S. overnight. They'll import it from overseas. It's a negative world, and what does that mean? It's much more than the glass is half empty. It's a deliberate hijacking of Romans 12, 1 and 2. Okay. It's a conforming, and they're seeking to addict you, and I'm not going to geek out on the neuroscience here, but they're seeking to addict you to that negativity. Have you ever noticed that one negative thought leads to a second negative thought and pretty soon you're chasing Alice down the rabbit hole and you're, it's getting darker and darker in there. There's just something addicting in the negative world to negativity. Imagine that. So that's what they're in business to do. So yeah, the world's negative. SHRM, the Society for Human Resource Managers says that, I haven't seen the 2022 results yet, but the earlier results said that 57% of all people leave a job. So 57% of the people leaving a job actually say I'm leaving because of a bad boss. That's negative, right? Two thirds of the people remaining say they're considering leaving because of a bad boss. That's how we set up the construct. That's the world we're conforming to around a negative world. Now let me hop over positive and come back to that. Let me go to work from a biblical perspective. So many of us have a non-biblical understanding of work, and it, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying it's not biblical. God actually put Adam to work before sin, and most of us regard work as a function of sin and that it came along afterwards. Not so. Here Adam is, dripping wet, got this rock inside of him. He's becoming an animated being, a living being. Some of the translations say, and he's trying to figure out what that means. God puts him right to work. Hey dude, you get to name the animals. Now I'm old enough to remember when Bob Dylan became uh, a Jesus follower and he had this song on a, on an album um about God gave man to name all the animals in, in the beginning. It's pretty cool. YouTube it. It's great. It's not current Bob Dylan, but it was for a while. So, there's that work and working, tilling the garden. So, it, it was this, my friend, Dr. Bob Johansson, refers to as bioempathetic. There's this rhythm of biology and you're in empathy with nature. By the way, that's a whole nother topic we can talk about because you're, I guess, since you travel around, you put your feet on dirt on a regular basis, but there's some people who've never put their feet on dirt in a given day. I think that's sad, asphalt, concrete, sure, but no dirt, no grass, no birds. Okay. Anyway. So here's Adam going to work. That word for work in the original language can also be translated as worship. So we're divata. And so work and worship travel together. Now, this is nothing unique to me. There's plenty of people a lot smarter than me who've written theological tomes. <laughs> people a lot more serious than me who connect work and worship. So Definition of work for me is worship and worship obviously brings glory to God. And of course, Paul tells us in Colossians three twenty three, another often cited passage, work, do all your work, create, okay, create as if unto the Lord. And so you're working with other people, you're growing other people, creating with other people which sounds a lot like work to me, as if Jesus was right there with you. So that's the way you're supposed to do it. So that's work for me. It brings meaning. It brings purpose. It brings satisfaction. It brings fulfillment. The cool thing I think today, and there are a lot of cool things about today, is that work is undergoing a redefinition. Let's just track back. The latest thing I read about was loud quitting. I guess that's the antithesis of quiet quitting. But if you're going to quit, I'd rather you be loud so that I know you actually quit. It it sounds like you're a chicken if you're quiet quitting, but what you're just trying to do is keep your head down so they don't find out you're not doing any work. For that, it was the great regret, which was caused by the great resignation. You know, I'm tracking back through the pandemic here. I think now we're in the great redefinition of work. And I'll just toss this out there just to give you something to think about. First of all, it's... I really have an allergic reaction to artificial intelligence. The better word is augmented intelligence. Now, it's still AI, so you can use it in the acronym. But augmented intelligence, as machines become more human, there's an amazing opportunity for human beings to become more human and to ensure that we're doing things effectively, that we're doing the right things. Machines are really good at being efficient, but they're never going to replace us. That's what everybody's worried about, right? On the effectiveness scale and making sure we're doing the right things, because that's a part of the moral consciousness that's in our Imago Dei. That's part of that Ruach that's living in us that makes us animated living beings that we've got over anything else, even things we create like augmented intelligence. So the great redefinition of work is going on, and I think I gave you enough around that. Now, so let me talk about positive. Positive is not necessarily the opposite of negative. Positive is the recognition that there's an opportunity for transformation. Come back to Romans 12, 1 and 2. And the opposite of conforming to the world is transforming. And my favorite chapter in all the scriptures, Philippians 4, uh, Paul tells us exactly how to do that. First of all, Philippians is all about joy. So. I love that. Not just because it sounds like Joey, but um, it's joyful as opposed to happiness, which is contextually related. In Philippians 4, he tells us to, depending on which translation you read, focus our minds on, meditate on, fill your mind with. And then Dr. Peterson gives us in the message translation, really nice trio of pairs. He says, fill your mind, focus on Um, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly things to praise, not things to curse. So we have an opportunity because of these amazing minds that we have and the brains that God created and put in us to focus and you literally see what you look for. So the recognition of positivity is that you have a choice around the best or the worst. Okay. It's not a denial that the worst is out there. We live in a broken world. I began with that for a reason. It's just, you choose to focus on the best, right? You choose to focus on the beautiful. You choose to focus on things to praise as opposed to the opposite, which takes you further down the negative rabbit hole with Alice. So work, Positive in a negative world. I think I got all three of them, but not in the order that you gave them to me.
1: <laughs> I think you did, and I. The reason I like that, I actually pulled out, pulled up my Romans here when you were referencing it. The scripture that came to my mind uh-huh. from that negative world was in the the tail end of Romans eight, which is one of my favorite chapters. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor life angels, principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, or any other created things, we're able to separate us from the love, which is of Christ. Yes. But I've still got my cynical hat on, so I want to hit you with a couple other things. Even with all of that good stuff, even with that thing separating me from the love I'm worshiping, (laughs) Dr. Joey, that's really tough. Yes. Tough to not conform. And you know what? I want to say this. This is a little bit of a confession time. Back in the early nineties, I was super Joe positive, almost to a superficial extent. I was talking positive. I had positive affirmations. We had them around our house. We had our young kids at the time that we had a negative jar that if they talked negative, we had to put quarters in it. And then we went through some interesting and fun times in 08 and all (laughs) that. And Oh,
0: your work sucked too then? (laughs) Had I had any work? (laughs) I know, man.
1: It was there. That was it. Was ugly going from a uh, hero to zero. Diddy, but...
0: let me tell you, man, it it got nailed on me. That's how the first work positive book came out. By the way, my yeah. wife looked at me one day and said,
1: "Aren't you supposed
0: to be traveling?
1: Couldn't you I be went, doing something?"
0: I am not feeling the love. <laughs> I said, "Baby, the cash cow I was riding got slaughtered, and it's poor hamburger right now."
1: So <laughs> well, some tough things come at us. Yes. And yeah, and you know what? Even when we've got a spiritual foundation, we've got listeners that they may not get some of that Romans. They can true, go read true. that one of the first books they yeah. need to read if they're thinking about some of these things. Mm-hmm. But even for those, I mean, I went to two or three years of Bible school. And let me just tell you, being around people that know what you just brought up, and pointing to my Bible over here, these scripture, yeah. they could be some of the most negative people. Man, People. you
0: got that right.
1: We could be around. That's- so let, let's go a, a little bit more into, mm-hmm. I, I guess I want to say the mindset before we start talking about some practical things. Cause I know in the book yeah. I was reading, you got five, five things, core principles that you wanted to talk about. We may be able to get to all of those, at least one yeah, or two whatever. here at the end. Mm-hmm. How don't we make that shift? Let me, and I want to say one more thing about it. Mm-hmm. I noticed I'm an executive coach. I do like you. I mm-hmm. read, I know all these things, but when. March 2020 came along, mm. and I looked around at all that was going on in the world. And I'm a praying guy. I'm journaling. I'm talking to the Lord. I'm going, Yeah, man, Lord, what is going on? Yeah, and man. I won't tell you what He shared back with me, but I'm gonna just tee that up for you to say, okay. maybe a little bit more. And let's just say, while you're talking about that, what about someone who has very little faith? They're just mm-hmm. operating in some of that superficial, or I, that sounded mm-hmm. negative. Sorry.
0: The th- well, some of it is, if it's what I think you're talking about. Yeah. You but know.
1: anyway, so just uh, let, let's hit it a little bit deeper with all that's happening because it's coming at us. We've got more yep. coming at us. 10, 20 X than what we did 20, 30 years ago. And you and I can <laughs> remember that. Some of our listeners can't remember. that. <laughs>
0: hey, look, just because I'm bald don't mean I'm old. <laughs> For some people, I am old. I'm over 30. How about that? First of all, that ten, twenty, thirty X—I don't know about that, man. I'll just push back th- on that a little bit because when I was home, when I got sent home, <laughs> and all the contracts dried up, and that—I remember Ross Perot running for president. He talked about that giant sucking sound, right? That was my bank account, man. It was emptying out quickly, day by day. Um, that was when I seized that opportunity to sit down and study uh, people that I called the Great Depression gurus. Please. I'm not undervaluing the complexities of life today. I I am not naive. I am not Pollyanna. My feet are in clay on our little farm every day. I get it. But the Great Depression, there were no options. There was nobody except banks as they were taking over properties, making money back then. And so the Great Depression gurus are where these five core practices came from. I studied them. I said, how did they do it? How did they create companies during the Great Depression? Or how did they keep their companies going during the Great Depression? George Mahurl had started insurance because nobody would insure farmers and their equipment, things like that. George Mahurl started State Farm back in 1922. I have to start putting a 19 or a 22, don't I? 1922 and kept his company going with this high-risk insured group right during the great depression and they were losing stuff and couldn't pay premiums left and right so how did he do that how did dale carnegie move off a missouri farm start teaching speaking classes lucratively in the ymca in new york city and then shut those down and write a book how to win friends and influence people they became the nation's number two bestsellers second only to the bible during the great depression on and on bill hewlett and dave packard with hp how did they do that so that's where these sets of habits these core practices came from so if you really want to know when work sucked and money was in short go to the great depression my grandparents grew up then my grandfather was born in 14. my mom's dad it it was you were literally scratching just to get food then again it's negative now i get it but Let's just have a little historical context here. Secondly, this is not some kind of Eastern uh, let's den- Eastern religion based, and that works for a lot of people. But denial of the existence of negativity or evil—it's game on recognizing that there's some crap that happens in the world. And sometimes, dude, that crap gets piled up high. Sometimes it's my crap. Sometimes it's consequences of my actions. Other times it's stuff that other people do. Say the CEO was you know, embezzling from the company and the company shuts down and my job's lost for that reason. Or on and on we see Bernie Madoff's every day, right? They just aren't quite as well publicized. So it's not a denial of negativity i think it's more a full engagement with i believe it's more of a full engagement with the negativity and rabbi kushner wrote that book years ago when bad things happen to good people i mean that is life my wife and i had this really nice conversation the other evening talking about people we know because i guess the older we get the more people around us they're not here anymore right they die And so she's, we're just full bore on with it, T. Diddy. We're saying, why did this person have to leave and that person got to stay? Now, I understand that's heretical. and That puts us up in a, you know, we we think we're little gods then. Um, But stuff happens every day. So it's more a filtering of the negativity than it is a denial of it. It's filtering the negativity as opposed to the negative. So for me, that's what Paul means. Don't conform to it totally. Don't go you, you live in this broken world and it's negative. Just don't conform to that fully transform from it, knowing that we still need, I need all the Jesus I can get, that we're still going to need Jesus every day to keep us where we need to be mentally now. Are there mnemonic devices we can do and things that we can remind ourselves to focus? Yes. And so I talk a lot about morning rituals and evening rituals because rituals codify positive habits or habits that build positivity within us. So we want to do those things. But its I'm convinced the biggest battlefield of all is right up here in your mind. From the minute you wake up, you're being assaulted. It's game on warfare, right? Because something... And it's trying to pull you back down to be less human than you were created to be. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense?
1: Yes, it does make sense. And it, I think it's one of these things, and maybe this is a good transition for us to move into things like rituals and maybe some practical things. And maybe you can talk mm-hmm. about some of the five items that you bring up in the book. Because I still, and and again, I interact with quite a bit of people like you do. I get to talk to people. and. And I guess I'm becoming more aware, hopefully, one of my favorite sayings is thou shalt not fool thyself. I think it's in the scriptures. I I can't quote verse and chapter, but it seems like something that should be there, which uh, unfortunately, a lot of things people say sound biblical, but they're not really. (laughs) But it's one of the things for me that I'm attempting to become more self-aware so that I don't. Mm -hmm for myself the more mature the more i age i recognize that there's Mm. less that i know and realize and things like that sure but i'm still looking for ways of controlling things and i think that's the word i want to use and i think control is the word because i Mm -hmm. think we're trying to control time we're trying to control other people we're trying to control children parents spouses Mm -hmm. our situation our finances all that
0: co-workers the boss
1: and to me, that's what leads to a lot of my negative, because I want to control. Mm-hmm. I think I control. Yeah. I don't really have that much control. So mm-hmm. having said that, what can we control? You mentioned mindset. How can we do that? What are some ways to do it? I know we need to get the book. We'll talk about that in a second. And yeah, we've got a podcast on this, but let's go mm-hmm. and give some practical things. Yeah. about how we can start doing some control that we really want
0: to if i may I want to respond to something you were just talking about with control there my favorite of the ten commandments to break is the first one i want to be my own god man and i want to get out my hammer and chisel and i want to create tim over in my image and my wife and my kids and, and i want to create this echo chamber around me so that i'm getting reflections back of me and dude i don't know about you but that's just driven by insecurity for me well that's, that's my lack of understanding of god's unconditional love and grace
1: and i don't think those commandments are equal truthfully <laughs> If you get the first one, the rest of them are a lot easier. Ca- yeah, I think they cascade. I think they're like, well, I've got, I'm batting 600. I got six out of 10. I'm doing pretty good, right? No, for I do think so. Tomorrow might be 125, right? <laughs> Probably not. No. If you're missing on that first one, I think you're missing all of them.
0: It's the big one. That's why it's my favorite. There's a reason it's first, I'm figuring. So... Can't you just imagine Moses up there on that mountain? He's got the chisel and the hammer and he's working in those stone tablets. and, and the Lord drops that first one on him. And I'm like, dude, you mean there's more?
1: <laughs>
0: Come on. You just gave it all to me. So yeah, just putting down the hammer and chisel and letting other people figure it out. We're We're all just trying to figure it out. I'm trying to figure out the best path. You're trying to figure out the best path. It's zigzag. It's a circuitous route. Thank goodness God is like Google Maps. Because Google Maps has never said to me, by the way, we're not making anything from Google. I'm not being paid by Google. Um, Not yet. Maybe they'll listen. (laughs) Uh, Google Maps has yet to say to me, come on, man. I told you to turn right. And you drove right past it. What's wrong with you? Now, go over here and let's take the next right. And we'll get you back on path. No, it just says recalculating, rerouting. In fact, the old GPS is actually state recalculating. Now, there's even more grace in Google Maps because it just flashes up there rerouting. and doesn't say a word. So, we're all just trying to figure that out. and We're all just rerouting and we're, <laughs> it's zigzagging back and forth. Some days are better than others. Just know that going in. However, there are some things which, from our understanding of brain science, do help us to separate fact from fiction. Remember the guy that bats for the negative side? He's actually a pitcher, I think. The guy that pitches for the other side, he's a liar. And he's constantly throwing fastballs at you. Every now and then a curveball and sometimes a knuckleball. But it's always these lies that You're not enough. Uh, We can call it when I'm on Less Jesus Obvious podcast. That's pretty good. Less Jesus Obvious. I like that. Let me write that down. I talk about the inner critic. And so it's constantly driving at our insecurities. So what are some practical things? I'm there now, Tim. Some practical strategies that we can do. As I said a moment ago, before your feet hit the floor and you're just coming out of the subconscious world into the conscious world, it's game on. The the battlefield is in your mind, and the the goal is to capture as many of your thoughts as quickly as possible. So whatever problem you were working on during the night, which was seeded, by the way, by whatever problem you are thinking about as you slipped into unconsciousness, that's what comes to mind first in your conscious mind because you've been working on it all night. The, the subconscious mind can process <clears throat> about 40 million bits of information per second, 40 million. The conscious mind, a little bit slower, 40 bits per second. So the obvious benefit of having a subconscious mind is that it filters what gets to your conscious mind. Now, when you walk from one room to the next, not that this has ever happened to you, Tim, But when you walk from one room into the next and go, what did I come in here for? Or when you lose your reading glasses and they're on top of your head, when you misplace your car keys, right? Or sometimes I don't even have to get up. I'm just sitting at my desk and I go, wait a minute. Why did I pick my phone up? Because something has happened in between times, right? To distract me. Whenever that's happening, what you've done is you've overloaded your conscious mind and that distraction. Those are rapid fire pitches coming at you from the pitcher of lies. So what you want to do as early in the morning as possible, as quickly as you can, is to re- read something positive. Now, if you follow Jesus, I highly recommend some scripture. Um, however, I, I'm a big Sarah Young fan. Um, thank you so much, Sarah, for all the Jesus books. So whether she's calling or, or however, I'm, I'm in Jesus Listens right now, which has flipped the first person POV to where it's Sarah Young praying and Jesus is listening to her. So it's really cool juxtaposition after all the other ones. I'm in that every day, and there are four scriptures there that are related to that that I'm reading. And then I post that on, well, our other company is God Nods. I post that on God Nods on Instagram and Facebook and different places. But it's to capture, I'm back to scripture now, right? Capture or take captive my thoughts as quickly as I can in that day. So that's one very practical strategy. It it only takes about 10 minutes. If you just do that for 10 minutes, now that means, here's the antithesis of that, stepping away from the TV remote. And please, you may think you believe that it's on just for noise in the mornings. You're lying to yourself. You're capturing those news items are hitting. And you may think you need to do that so that you have something to talk about when you get on Zoom or on Slack, or you're at, maybe you're in an office now. That's Push Media, and we highly recommend Pull Media, which is your phone. So you can listen to podcasts like this amazing one by Tim Winders. You can listen to... Anything else you choose to, but just to seed some positive thoughts in your mind. I prefer reading and I prefer listening. I have a song of the year and then we have a team song of the year uh, that our leadership team commits to listening to every morning. So my song of the year accompanies my word of the year. And so every morning I'm just dousing my brain. I'm marinating it, if you will, in that positivity. So that's one strategy. Just get with it as early as you can in the morning. I promise it takes 10 minutes. If you want to add another five minutes, open up your calendar on your phone and look at your appointments for that day. And some of them are going to make you a little nervous. Some of them you're like, "Eh, I don't know how that's going to turn out. What am I going to do? I'm afraid I'm going to blow it. So again, it's a battlefield, right? So rather than waiting till you get to that appointment, go ahead now and begin visualization is such a strong technique. Just visualize some positive outcomes. If that's too woo for you, just say to yourself, mm, what's the best thing that can happen as a result of this appointment? You know, and just imagine that because your mind can imagine the best thing as well as it can the worst thing. Because right now you got a 50-50 chance <laughs> of it happening. So go ahead and imagine the best thing that, that can happen. So that's that morning routine. Now, there's a companion evening routine that I absolutely love. In fact, my three-year-old granddaughter and I had a conversation about it today. It's amazing what they're interested in. She opened the nightstand drawer and in there's my three ring binder. That's my gratitude diary. And she pulled it out and she said, Pops, what's this? And so I told her, that's what Pops writes in every night. What do you write, Pops? And she starts leafing through the pages. And I said, I write down about three, three great things that God did for me. And so yesterday, her daddy, our son-in-law's grandfather was buried. And I had the privilege of saying a few words over him in the eulogy. And so she, at three years old, looks at me and she says, did you write about Papa yesterday? Yeah, slack-jawed. And I'm like, yes, I did. I thanked God for Pa. So just write down three positive experiences the night before. Do it just before you go to sleep. Not as you're going to sleep. So that means you don't want to be in your favorite chair or, or laying in the bed flat. But just write down three positive things that happened that day. And Tim, here's the deal. You're planting seeds in your mind of
1: gratitude.
0: So being thankful in all things, rejoice in all things, that's what you spend on all night long. As opposed to, say, watching The Walking Dead right before you fall asleep, while you're watching The Walking Dead, then you're like zombies are chasing you all night. Say, if you wake up tired the next morning, it's because you were trying to outrun zombies. But gratitude, that just ferments in your mind all night long. And so that's an, and that takes me like three minutes to do every night. So these aren't huge time consuming strategies or tactics, rather. Because that's the biggest pushback I get. Oh, I have time for that. I don't have time for
1: that. And just get up
0: 10 minutes earlier. Just hang on three minutes before you go to sleep. It, it, this is not, it is brain science, but it's not rocket science. How about that?
1: What's fascinating, too, is that I think there's a momentum. I'm an engineer from, I think you went to NC State. I went to Georgia Tech, so I'm just down the road You a went bit. to NC State? No, you did.
0: You oh, I did. State. Yeah, I was about to get excited uh, there. I, okay. I, went to
1: jo- I went to Georgia Tech. I'm an engineer, so... Words like momentum mean something yes. to me.
0: That's well, a good fit. What
1: I just heard you say was there's the first time you do it, and I think you even talk about it in the book, The Power of the 21 Days and the yeah. Habit Forming and things like that. Right. The first day, it's going to feel awkward and weird and all of that. Oh, sure. As you, as you start building momentum, I think on the flip side, people build up momentum down that negative path. And oh, and, it's very easy. Yeah. You brought up a couple, and I think the television, Mm-hmm. Intake. And, and I want to bring up one momentum that I have just recognized. I want to bring it up and you could respond mm-hmm. because I'm T Diddy, your pops. We're both grandparents. sounds like similar ages and, and ours just left. They've been with us uh-huh. for about two weeks, by the way, we have TNG camp that we have during the summer that we come stay with us you. wherever we are in the world and all that. But uh-huh. here's what I noticed. And I say this to say, I've got compassion for those with young children with oh, children, man, yeah. because my rituals got blown to smithereens over the last two weeks.
0: Got blew up, Jack.
1: And, and you know what I noticed? I noticed my wife and I were were, were snipping at each other just yep. a little bit more of than one gotcha. should when you've been married for 35, almost 35 years. And so talk a little bit about the momentum and habits and how they can be broken and how you can get them going. I think that's one of the more valuable things we can talk about here. As we're uh, getting close to finishing up, we're going to land this plane shortly. But to talk a little bit about just how to get going or how to stop going one direction and yep. head another direction. Because I think I just noticed it with myself, so I know other people deal mm-hmm. with that too.
0: Absolutely. So if you would put your tray tables in the locked and upright locked position and buckle your seat belts, we're, we're beginning our descent. For those of you who are still adventurous enough to fly these days and just hope you get to where you gonna be sometime there, man, life intrudes, interruptions. I, I literally plan time for interruptions every day. I just say, okay, I'm not going to go back to back to back here. I'm going to allow a little space to breathe. Yes, we were with that three-year-old granddaughter at the graveside yesterday, and she fell asleep on the way out to the grave and woke up before her nap was finished. T. Diddy, I'm here to tell you I love that little girl, but I did not know there was a demon inside of her. She wailed for 45 minutes. I couldn't comfort her. Gigi couldn't comfort her. Her mom came over couldn't comfort her. It was just all-out warfare there for a little, <laughs> screaming. And some days, that's what I want to do. I can relate to the little girl. Some days, I just want to, Go back here up on the mountain in the woods and just scream a little bit because things are not going my way. So it's back to that control issue. So here's the deal. One of the scarcest resources you have is your attention. And the older you get, energy is going to become more of an issue too. But the, the things to which you give your attention, if you can just become aware of that, then I got the risk of getting canceled here facebook and instagram all that important it just does not and what do i call it now x it's just they're just not going to contribute that much to your mental health and your mindset well-being in fact i would suggest the opposite is true because again most of what's on there is a lie right it's a photoshop world now Take that attention and, and just channel it. It may not be exactly on your schedule, but just channel it. Tim, some mornings I wake up at 4.30 and I feel great. Other mornings I wake up at 4 at o'clock and I've got a migraine from sinus headache because something's blooming outdoors and I went and played in it. I'm not at my best right then, so I'm convinced that scripture doesn't quite penetrate, and it takes me longer to get there. And to just, but I persevere. I I still engage. I still have those habits which feed. In here, I think it's B.J. Fogg wrote F.O.G. wrote a book. I believe it's called Tiny Habits. If you can just stay after it, you're going to miss it some days. But if you can just continue with that long term view and just know that, yes, you're going to have some days that get interrupted, give yourself some grace. Just get back with it as quickly as you can. Because what happens is if I didn't get to it this morning, I got to say, yesterday morning, nothing really happened. I, I guess I can do that this day. So then the momentum builds as inertia. Keeps us moving in certain directions. It's stopping that body moving in that direction and reversing its course that takes so much energy. So rather than saying, Oh, Dr. Joey said I need to do this 21 days in a row in order to form this new habit, mm-mm, just do it tonight. Just tonight. Write down three positive things. Or if you can only think of one positive thing that happened today, that's okay. Cause that's a step, albeit a baby step, but it's a step in the right direction. By the way, if you can't think of anything positive that happened today, that's part of the exercise, right? Just say to yourself, mm, I did not get run over by a concrete truck today. Write that down, right? <laughs> Maybe you felt like you seemed to be run over by a concrete truck and the world would have got a lot simpler for you, but yeah, I just didn't get run over by concrete truck today, so just do it. One thing, one day, I'm creating a new brand called DOT. D-O-T, do one thing. And that's the concluding question for all the guests on the Work Positive podcast that I have the privilege of hosting is what's one thing Work Positive Nation can do today to create a positive work culture? I, Jim Collins, has sold a whole lot more books than I have, and I understand from good to great, and I understand what BHAG, Big Harry, Audacious Goal did, but I'm convinced that there are a lot of us who are trying to be Haggers. And we're just daughters, and that's okay. Man, we need some daughters. We need people who will just say, "I'm going to do this one thing today, and see what happens, and then I want to try it again tomorrow." So just do one thing today, that tiny habit, and and just set yourself up for success that way.
1: I think the good things is the Bible's full of stories that just did one thing, and then at some point during the course of their existence, God said. I need you to do something that now we read about thousands of years later. And one thing I heard, this is the word that popped in my mind when you were talking about just maybe turn another direction. That's repent. That literally means if you're here, repent and just go the other direction and, and start heading that way. And then I had another thought. What was it? Oh, I, this is one of the things that kind of guides my wife and I with where we go. People always ask us, how do you decide where to go if you live in an RV? We try to listen to where God says, and he's told us, go where y'all want to. This is a reason y'all live in the RV. Just what Uh this is our gauge go where your soul is nourished. Mm. And we attempt to go places where the weather or near grandchildren or places we haven't seen or things like that. And when you were talking earlier, the thing that kept coming to me about Let's just throw some things out right now. Social media, television, yeah. Fox News, CNN. We can name them all. I don't care which side you're on. It doesn't it matter. Does the push, matter. I think you call it the push media. I think those take chunks out of our soul. <laughs> I think they damage our they souls. Do, man. They the do. mind, will, and emotions. I do. Yes. I've got a couple of quick, they may not be quick, but I want to ask these before we finish up. Okay. I saw somewhere that you have done work in I think 50 countries or something like that. Yeah. I've been able to travel some places too and well, I, I didn't noticed, go to
0: all those places, but our content is consumed in all and at least 50 countries. Yeah.
1: Well, good. I want I want to ask this question about that because some of these things do become a little bit cultural. And I noticed mm-hmm. it when I was in India. I was doing a seminar in India and I'm uh-huh. a talker and a head nodder and they were all out in the audience doing this. And I'm going, what is going on? Yeah, And and someone said, no, that's their way of agreement. They just do their heads. I said, well, somebody needs to tell them to do it differently. I need to control. But (laughs) I I just want to, we've got a lot of people in India that listen in. We've got a lot of people in other countries. Give a quick thought about cultures outside the U.S., whatever whatever comes to mind, whatever the Holy Spirit leads you, just because sometimes we're very U.S.-centric with these types.
0: Yeah, exactly. The word is ethnocentric, right? We think ours is the best, and nobody ever thinks anybody else is the best, right? I think their own is the best. We're back to the first commandment, aren't we, Tim? We do a lot of work on the continent of Africa, and so just being aware of that there, first of all, is a difference, and secondly, that I make sure I leave my hammer and chisel somewhere else. I'm not hammering on people. But as an executive coach, and we have an ICF, International Coaching Federation coach training program, and this is one of the hallmark Dr. Joey's statements is, managing the internal conversation while, while coaching is the most difficult part of coaching. because you see things before the client does. You come up with answers, right? to tell the client, and yet just as soon as you tell them the answer that is your answer, you realize it's not what's best for them and their prefrontal cortex is turning into Kevlar. So everything you suggest is bouncing off and they're not going to do it, right? So just curiosity, Tim. Just remain curious. Mm -hmm. Um, Awe and wonder is a great pairing of words that comes out of scripture. But if we can just remain curious, I prefer to think of it as spiritually curious because I'm looking for Jesus everywhere I go. So I'm listening to life everywhere I go. And I'm look, just looking to discover what it is that, what are some dots that I can connect. And as long as I remember it's not about me, it's about we, then that helps me remain curious. So that's the biggest cultural thing. And by the way, the U.S. is more culturally diverse than it ever has been before. And here I'm talking about ethnicity. So you don't necessarily have to go to India and lead a seminar to experience this instead of this, right? It's on our doorstep, which is an amazing opportunity to look beyond the obvious distinctions, all of which I celebrate, to the Imago Dei within each person and just seeking to find that, what makes them uniquely themselves out of almost 8 billion people now.
1: Yeah, I love that curiosity because I think it keeps us humble. It keeps us with that thought process of there's something bigger in the world than me. And that goes back to that first commandment you brought up earlier. You know, this world is not revolving (laughs) around me. I don't know about you, but every once in a while, I will can slip down that rabbit hole, which is not good. Every once in a while, like daily. One one thing I'm super, (laughs) super curious about, I read somewhere that you've got cats named Boo Radley and Atticus Finch. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, we're recording this, I think, in August. I, I don't know when it'll be released. And yeah. back in July, that book celebrated its—I think it was—I think it was released in 1960. Powerful book. So, to, yeah. tell me a little bit about those names. And do you have any kids named Scout or anything like that? Or ah, yeah.
0: my my wife loves To Kill a Mockingbird. That's like her favorite. I majored in my undergrad work in English. So asking me what's my favorite work of fiction is like asking me to choose between my daughters. I mean, it ain't going to happen. But <laughs> my, my wife loved To Kill a Mockingbird. And so that's where Atticus Finch and Boo Radley came from. By the way, Boo Radley showed up as a Jean Louise. Came to our home. It was about five months old. A kitten and one of our younger daughter's friends just said, hey, our current cat is old. And keeps picking on the kitten, and we're afraid for the kitten, so you take the kitten. We live on a farm. Cats actually earn their keep around here. We feed them something besides the mice. But my wife was playing with Jean Louise one day, and as she's often wont to do, and said, "Uh uh-oh, we don't have a Jean Louise. I said, what do you mean? It's a male. Oh, okay. What shall we name? Boo Radley, she said. So that's how we got a Boo at Atticus. <laughs> yeah. By the way, Atticus was feral. He adopted us, just showed up around here. We have an apartment over our garage, and the young woman started feeding him our cat food. So, of course, he stayed. I was so generous of her to use our cat food, right? And she then went to move over to Williamsburg, and I said, cat's going with you. And she said, no, I can't tell you where I'm going. I said, you got one or two choices, take him with you or get him fixed. So she got him fixed, but he still has feral ways. Might be a little bit like me, right? Lots of feral ways. And so when the grandbaby was younger, just learning to speak, the cat actually scratched her one day because he's feral and she thought, oh, pretty kitty and petted him and he scratched her. It wasn't deep. She didn't get sick. Okay. No cat scratch fever. Ted Nugent, but she then dubbed him from that day forward, No, so Atticus
1: Finch's nickname is no. (laughs) So anyway, there's some some people that are going to need to get to kill a mockingbird to understand this last minute or two of conversation. (laughs) I don't want to explain to people what feral means, and I don't really want to explain to people who Ted Nugent is. On, on this podcast but so, you got Google man Just you, just you can Google it just Google. ask Google or Siri Cat Scratch Fever Ted Nugent To Kill a Mockingbird and Feral and, oh. and have fun with that yeah, Hey Peter
0: man sorry
1: Dr. Joey where do you want to send people let's just say that people want to connect with you and I know you, you've got podcasts and books and things we've talked about some of those just, yep. just go ahead right now just give it to them we'll, we'll put it down in notes and things like that and you then got I've got a question before we finish up
0: okay all right. If you follow Jesus, you're going to want to go to godnods.today, godnods.today. And there's a work of fiction there that my coaching partner, Jane Cresswell, and I wrote. It's a fictionalized story about Taonga Technologies, a New Zealand-based company that moves to America, and how work transforms into worship. If you're not sure about this whole Jesus-following thing, that's cool. Love you to death. There's some days—anyway workpositive.today, workpositive.today is where you want to go. And look, I got a ton of free resources on both uh, sides of that. The audiobooks, if you love Audible, both of them are available in Audible, Kindle, Barnes & Noble, et cetera, et cetera. They're free resources. Workpositive.today, I actually just give you a free course called Something to Talk About, and that's all about how to transform work conversations. Because words do matter, as we were talking about earlier. Very good.
1: And the podcast, we've got a podcast here, Work Positive Podcast. I I do.
0: Wherever you listen to Seek, Grow, Seek, Go, Create, you can also find the Work Positive Podcast. And, man, there are a lot of smart people in the world about work culture, a whole lot smarter than me. And so I get to talk to them. And every week we turn out a new episode. We've got shorts. We've got a YouTube Channel that features shorts from the shows, so you can go there to work positive on YouTube, and you can also find all the backlog of shows if you want to go to workpositive.today/backslash/podcast. You can find all of them there or just
1: wherever finer podcast or heard, like this one, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think they'd be a great compliment. All right, Doctor Joey, we are seek, go, create, and I'm going to let you choose one of those words that resonates with you or means more to you than the other two right now. Seek. Go or create, and why?
0: As you're going, you're seeking, and you're seeking to create.
1: You hedged. You hedged.
0: (laughs) I changed the order, if that makes any difference. I'm convinced that we're here to create. We're here to create relationships. We're here to create solutions to each other's problems. We're here to create ways to walk with each other through dilemmas. We're here to create, so you're going to go anyway, and you're looking for something. You're seeking. Just go ahead and create a little something. doesn't have to be a Van Gogh. Just create something and see what happens, and then keep going, keep seeking, and create something else, and watch your life take on meaning and purpose beyond your wildest dreams.
1: Excellent. Thank you so much, Dr. Joey Fawcett. I knew we'd have a fun conversation by the way we got started. Absolutely. Thank you, T Diddy. I know. Yeah, I think it could (laughs) continue on. I recommend if you've listened in, jump over. Currently, you're on a podcast. You might be on YouTube, but jump over to the Work Positive podcast. I think it'd be a great compliment with what we're doing here and what they're doing there. The topics and all will really resonate from what I've seen and from listened to over there. Pick up a copy of The Work Positive in a Negative World for Teams. I've read through most of that, almost finished that one, and I think it's a great fit. We all need Thanks, buddy. more positive in the yeah. world we are in today. That is part of redefining success, which is our tagline here, learning how to redefine what success means. Early on, we talked about redefining what work is. I think all of that is in the process of going on, and I think mm. we kind of need to be curious and be asking those questions. I appreciate everyone listening in. We have new episodes every Monday. Until next time, continue being all that you were created to be.